The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, Work That Makes Sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Visual Workplace. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and I am your host on this, our weekly radio show about letting the workplace speak. In each of our shows, we look at some aspect of that, of how to embed the intelligence, our intelligence, into the living landscape of work about our operational system. The details of our operational system embedded through visual devices, through visual systems, an installed language that reflects our current understanding of how things work, how they function. We make that level concrete and specific by way of visual solutions, visual devices, and then we can literally see how we think. And we can predict how that thinking will function because we see it, we've captured it. This is the visual workplace. This is a visual workplace that has a voice that speaks. And why do we bother Well, we bother for the amazing bottom line benefits. We often see, even on the associate level of what you might call 5S on steroids, highly visual 5S, we see a 15 to 30% increase in throughput and productivity. We see improved safety, better quality, more aligned delivery time, shrinking costs, And we also see a splendid cultural alignment. Because we're in the realm of a physical language, we have connectivity. And with connectivity, we then have the opportunity and the outcome of alignment. A spirited and engaged workforce on all levels. Not just the associate level, but the GM level and the middle management level and the field level and the supply chain and purchasing and HR the world of work. And the third benefit, if we could just divide it into these three chunks, is that we enjoy ourselves at work. We enjoy ourselves, we do our work, and while we're thinking, we are recreating the workplace. We are improving it because we know how. Because we use the principles and the practices of workplace visuality to guide us and to help us see, to see deeply (laughs) to see that which is not there. Information deficits, missing answers. Because we learn through visuality that it's the missing answers that trigger the commotion. Or if you will, the motion. Corporate enemy number one, moving without working. 
That's the visual workplace. And it is my pleasure. Now we're in our fifth year. (laughs) It is my pleasure to welcome you again to our radio show and to hope you find benefit in it. We hope that you listen to this once and maybe twice and share it also with people who aren't listening. These are set up as tutorials. Our only interruptions are a few commercial breaks and your phone calls. This show becomes a call-in show as soon as you call in. And if you don't call in, I just patter on and share with you the knowledge that I've gained over these last 35 years. Our call-in number is 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790. And our website is visualworkplace.com where you can find many supporting items. If you join up and become a member, it's free. There are lots of free things in your free box, including a very nice 45-minute module on running a blitz and how to uh, how to look for more success in your blitzes. That's all free. I think it's going to be there for about another month and a half for you to enjoy and download. This is part of our Work That Makes Sense online training system, and it's yours for your benefit. There also is a wonderful module gallery on the homepage, and there's a, a, a very, very good overview that I did for ASQ as a webinar in December. All of these things can help you, plus we have podcasts, 130 or 40 podcasts grouped in bundles by topic, and then we have our weekly newsletter, and all those articles are also grouped by topic in and on the articles page, right on our top navigation. So there are lots and lots of free things to help you. And I want to make a couple of other uh, specific announcements about our upcoming events. I'm going to be doing a keynote speak in, uh, uh, I beg your pardon, a keynote speech in London in about a week on May the 12th. And I'll be on a panel on May 11th with the Lean Management Journal European Conference. I'm very pleased to be speaking with that group. And I'll be doing a visual thinking seminar and site assessment at Boston Scientific in Galway, Ireland uh, the following week. That registration is closed. Sorry, um, you couldn't make it, but um, should be very interesting. We've been doing a series of these publicly for Uh, Since January, we've done six or seven of them. We're going to take a few months off and then resume them in the fall. So we should be coming to a town near you. If we don't, then please contact us and let's see what we can arrange. Uh, Very committed to public seminars. Make it easy for people to get acquainted with the model and get their work started. There are a lot of takeaways during that seminar, a lot of learning, including how to assess your own site for its level of visual competency. Okay, and then in October, we do have scheduled uh, twice in October, the week of October the 20th, 21st, I should say those two days, and the 24th and 25th, I will be doing a visual um, thinking seminar and site assessment in Mexico in a place called Querétaro. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing it. It's about two or three hours outside of Mexico City with our friends with the Mexican Shingo Prize, Abel Gomez Medina and his wonderful group of OPEX, uh, his wonderful OPEX team. So welcome, welcome to our show, The Visual Workplace. Again, our call-in number is 866 472 5790 866-472-5790. Our website, our website is visualworkplace.com. Welcome. 
today, today we are going to be focused on participation myths related to 5S, related to visuality. I've grouped these broadly together. I want to talk about the very powerful opportunity we face, the change we face when we decide to create a more participative, if you will, a more empowered workforce. And we want to talk about some of the reactions that managers have to this that are not that helpful, kind of timid or strained. And we want to name those behaviors and uh, suggest some alternatives. This is a conversational presentation. I will have a, a list of eight participation myths in just a moment. But what I want to talk about, and we're going to begin this section of the show now, the content section, the sharing the knowledge and know-how that I've gained with you. So what we're doing in this shift that we're making, this shift towards greater participation, is that we're really leaving an ancient form. We're leaving the ancient end of the continuum and moving towards a future end where we have joined the heart and the mind of the organization. This is a huge culture change for many, many companies. It's a full overhaul, if you will, from the traditional approach. And we're moving towards a unified and aligned workforce because it is a better business model and also because it is right to treat people with respect and make them powerful. And the vast majority of organizations around this country, and I would say around the world, many of them are just beginning this journey. It's the journey to excellence, to operational excellence, but also to company-wide enterprise excellence. And it's a combination of visual and lean. And some of the companies, some of you, face a mighty challenge You not only have to reverse your production values, for example, if you're in discrete manufacturing, adopting batch size of one instead of large batches, designing layouts based on flow instead of on silos, building quality in instead of inspecting it out. These are big, big changes requiring a big rethink and a reformulation of the habits and the assumptions and, may I say, the preferences of nearly every member of the workforce, including, of course, those of management itself. Most companies don't really grasp the scope of this change, the scale. They know something's going to change, but in a way, if they knew how large that change would be, they would set it aside and saying, not this year, not this lifetime. Let's just stay the way we are because it's going to be a load of work. In my view, the fabric of a work culture is the sum total of each and every interaction and data point that transpires during a given shift, day, week, month, or year for the life of the company. Work culture is not an isolated event. It exists across and within the life of the company and expresses, if you will, the quality of that work life. It is the context of production. It is the context of performance. A company's work culture is the combination of corporate purpose, beliefs, expectations, and these beliefs and expectations show what winning means, 
what winning means in the organization and how the game is played within that organization. In a manner of speaking, work culture represents the personality of the enterprise, but also the consciousness. Work culture mirrors the soul of the enterprise, to use Doc Hall's phrase, the soul of the enterprise. It describes, explains, and defines who the enterprise is, what it's about, what it values, and how it conducts itself. And all of this is available for the world to see. The company is its work culture, and when you ship your product, you ship your company. Every part that's made, every deadline met or missed, every piece of information shared or lost, every truth, every lie, every promise made or broken impacts the culture of work and shapes and reshapes it however minutely, no no detail is immune The conversion of the production process, if you will, the production system to a lean system, the installation of pull and an accelerated flow requires a parallel and intentional transformation in the work culture. And I want to say to you, in my experience, the introduction of visuality as a partner to this journey, as an equal and powerful partner to your lean conversion, creates the kind of work culture we're going to be describing and we want. When you bring visuality, because it's a language, into the production venue, you change the work culture. You align it or realign it, you create the work culture or you strengthen it, and it becomes sustainable. What is it that becomes sustainable? the level of excellence you have achieved so far. And that allows you to use excellence, your current level, as a platform to go further. Work culture has the power to inspire or dishearten. It can be as powerful in its absence as it is when it's fully in place. In many companies, work culture is more of an accident than a clear intent, and it doesn't have to be that way. So I want to when we come back from our first break, which will happen in just a moment, I want to kind of describe a little bit about the distribution of power to give us a base for talking about these participation myths. And uh, we're going to go into our break now, and I'll be here when you get back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. 
Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call one 866 Four seven two five seven nine zero. That's toll free one eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now back to the program. Welcome back. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth. Welcome back to the second segment of our show today at the Visual Workplace, where we are beginning our conversation about myths about participation, participation myths. There are kind of eight of them. Seven of them are wrong. (laughs) The eighth one is correct. It's not a myth, it's a fact. So we were saying just before the break that sometimes the work culture happens more by accident than by clear intent, and it doesn't have to be that way. And I was also saying workplace visuality, the visual workplace which encompasses visual management, is larger than visual management. Visual management is one aspect of workplace visuality, your KPIs and your Hoshin, that sort of thing. The visual workplace can and has resuscitated a gloomy, dispirited workforce and turned it into one that can be rightly described as spirited, engaged, contributed, contributing, creative, aligned. Aligned with what? Aligned with the corporate intent. When we implement the technologies of the visual, visual workplace, we don't just change the physical operational environment, although that is indispensable. We don't just accelerate the flow of material and information and people in and through the facility. We align the work culture with the improvement vision of the enterprise. And in many cases, we recast the culture, giving it a new, fresh, dynamic set of premises and requirements and goals. It is called a transformation. Even in companies with well-oiled paternalistic frameworks of governance, these change as well. The genie is out of the bottle. If you had to land on one word that would capture the substance of that change, that word would be empowerment, the revolution that started about 70 years ago in the West, and then strongly over the last 30 years, is beginning to unravel the old way. Hmm? And much of the activity on the conversion of the work culture is trained on creating a greater balance of the power. It is the redistribution, the definition and redistribution of power. And I like to... um, describe this as the two pyramids, one pyramid pointing up, which is your top-down command and control pyramid, that power, and the other, the power that says, I say and you do, I order and you obey, I know and you don't, 
obedience is at its heart. The top-down model with the general or the CEO sitting at the top of the heap and telling us to do things. Me, the child, or the foot soldier at the bottom. Yeah. Lots of rules and regulations and decorum and standards and protocols. Right? This was the model that... um, helped the industrialized nations win wars and colonize the world. And some may see it as an undisputed benefit, but, you know, really, the chickens are coming home to roost, and we are now beginning to look at what happens when there is an imbalance of power. The other pyramid, because this is a double pyramid event, is the empowerment pyramid, or if you will, the bottom-up model. It's the pyramid on its head. And, you know, uh, the, the empowerment model is, it says we're no longer focusing on unquestioning obedience. The focus is now on studying and understanding the process, understanding, learning, making mistakes. As somebody told me last week, was really brilliant. They said, around here we call making mistakes tuition. This is you going to school. This is you learning. This was a a head of strategic improvement, a wonderful young woman named Margot Anderson at Desert Paper and Envelope. And she said, we call it tuition around here because we want people to know that this is the way we know people learn and we honor it, we respect it, and we name it in a way that we give it value. And so on the associate level, we say, Become masters of cause and scientists of your own process. That's empowerment. The power that's being shared is very simple. It is the power to think and to do as a result of that thinking. That's all we're sharing. And it is a false decision point to say, which pyramid do we choose? We made that mistake in the 1980s where we thought we had to choose one or the other. And many companies throughout the command and control model or the executive model and embraced the value-add associate empowerment model. And honestly, their, their companies were very badly dented by that. Because in fact, while the bottom-up and top-down pyramid appear to be polar opposites, they in fact have an area of common ground. They have a common purpose in the center. If you lay one on top of the other, you kind of get the shape of um, what you get is a star tetrahedron. Um, Israel has adopted it as a a religious symbol for themselves. It's called the Star of David. And it is always, always properly seated in a circle or a sphere. Star tetrahedron installed in a sphere. The sphere is the expression of those two opposites learning to live with each other. The sphere is the expression of unity and it is universal. In all the great religions of the world for the last 6,000 years we see it everywhere. We see it in Egyptian iconography, Judeo-Christian iconography, Indian iconography, Chinese iconography. Iconography is just religious art. Religious art was the kind of knowledge base for the world um, up until very recently. The religions held the knowledge and also shared it to some extent. So, 
it's a false it's a false dichotomy to say which one do we choose what we choose is the blending of the two and that is the hard work of the conversion participation being a part of that solving the participation challenge hmm? we have to blend them it's a kind of hidden geometry and we can see that neither one or the other pyramid can exist by itself. And in fact, the power for the empowerment pyramid, the upside-down pyramid, is embedded in the obedience pyramid. Management needs to release it. It's holding all the power. It needs to share it, and by sharing it, it increases its own power. That doesn't mean its own control. That means its own quantum to do good, to benefit the company. So making this transition, liberating the hidden pyramid in an organization will create genuine unity. And it's a long journey. And it has to be accomplished in steps. And one of the steps that stop us at the beginning is the step of participation. How do we get people to participate? Because you've got to realize, I think we all do, that if management has had a hard time understanding what participation is, how to get the ball rolling, you can be sure that supervisors and operators, hourly employees, value-add associates, are also puzzled by it. How do you do this? It's very, very new. Remember, even as I'm speaking about sharing power, all my words are, as my father liked to say, quoting a Greek philosopher who will remain unnamed, all my words are, are breath. <sighs> my father used to say that the words you're saying are just <sighs> breath. He would blow <sighs> breath. They're just air. Easier said than done. You can say it. How do you do it? The actual process drives into the heart of the organization the process from a non-participative, obedience-based or scary-based workforce where we turn to our managers and our supervisors to say, what do you want me to do next, boss? What do you want me to do next, boss? Did I do it good, boss? Did I do it well enough, boss? What am I supposed to do next, boss? And everything in between is waiting because they know and I don't. So to begin to break that paradigm, and we can begin with 5S. We begin at 5S. We have to look at some of the myths that are leftovers. Because the process that we are engaging, the actual process of cracking the code on participation, will drive a change into the heart of the organization where there is a host of formal and informal values. The conversion is rarely simple, smooth, or quick. It is often messy, confusing, time-intensive. But one way or the other, we have to engage it. This is part of our early commitment to excellence. And be wary of anyone who says it's easy. I will tell you, and I'll say this easily, that visuality is the best bridge I've ever found to developing, cultivating valid and robust 
participation. But it still isn't easy. It's simply, it's simply a known and useful formula, a protocol, a system. Yeah. So we're going to go into these eight participation myths. Some of them you'll recognize. And they all have the same flavor except for the last one. And we'll take that on right after our next break, which we're sliding into right now. <laughs> I'll be here when you get back. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and I'm welcoming you back to the third segment of our show today at the Visual Workplace. I'm really glad you could join us. If you want to get in touch with us, you can through our website, visualworkplace.com. If you want to call in with comment or question, please do so. Our number is here at the show, 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790. I welcome that conversation. Just before the break, our second break, I was on the verge of introducing what I call participation myths, and I'm going to do that now. There are at least eight of them. I'll name them. And the first set is from the perspective of management. Oh, wait a minute. No, Actually, the entire set is from the perspective of management. And as another heads up, 
only the last one is actually not a myth, is true. And we will unnest that when we get there. I'm going to read through them. Here are the eight. Myth one. If people participate more, we as managers will lose control. Two. If people participate more, they will take over and we will have anarchy. It's a little bit more extreme than one, but closely associated with we will lose control they will take over we will have anarchy (laughs) myth three people won't rise to the occasion anyway they don't want empowerment they just want to do their job they won't take the opportunity when we give it to them why waste our time that was myth three myth four we can make improvement happen as part of the workday we don't need special anything for improvement to happen. We don't need special time. We don't need a special activity. That's myth four. Myth five. Only some people are interested. Some people who are more qualified to be involved. Smarter, more committed. Let's focus on them. That's myth five. Myth six. We can make enough improvement happen through blitzes and rapid improvement events We don't need to do it every day, and we, here it is again, don't need any separate time. We'll do it through blitzes. That's six. Myth seven. If we want people to get on board with improvement, why don't we save them for the more interesting work? And let's do the easy stuff ourselves. Like, let's just put 5S in place ourselves, lines and labels, what's hard about that. And then when we get more interesting work, people can join in. But lines and labels... That's such easy stuff. Not that interesting. That's myth seven. And myth eight, and this one is true. It is not a myth. People don't participate because they don't know how. Hmm? This is not just not a myth. It is also true. People don't participate because they don't know how. So let's dig into these and touch them at least and maybe solve them if we can. Empowerment is such a potent dynamic that many companies prefer to move towards it in small doses. What I would say is timidly. We found a great picture of a great Dane who's peering around a corner, this huge dog, powerful, scary dog, and he looks so timid. He's full of fear. You take a look at that, you'll see it on our announcement and also in the newsletter, The Visual Thinker, this week. Typically, companies decide to take it slow because they really fear the release of anarchy. They don't really believe they're moving towards unity, the blending of two polar opposites, but rather into a loss of control. And they're wrong. Anarchy is nowhere on this progression. Hmm? There is a danger. The danger is backsliding. A company will begin its journey towards participation and then eventually empowerment and then eventually self-direction. But there's a danger of backsliding into the old comfortable authoritarian paradigm, the command and control, what I like to call the demand and control. 
when you begin this process, it's sort of like pregnancy. You got to see it through its end. It's not enough to get pregnant. Eventually, the baby has to be born, and then you're responsible for it for the next 18 years. <laughs> Why am I laughing? <laughs> so, you know, your foot in the water is the same thing as the next 18 years. However much a company may say it wants an empowered workforce and a balanced work culture, if you decide to move towards it piecemeal, you run the risk of diluting the very momentum that your effort must gain for the shift to happen. So it needs to be a consistent hand on the wheel. Hmm? Otherwise, you won't make the conversion. So let's look at the first myth, the first and second together. If people participate, we'll lose control. Anarchy will take over. There will be moments of discomfort as managers witness what momentarily looks like a loss of control, what momentarily looks like they're giving up power. This seeming loss is of the very control they know they will, they will have to and they will eventually admit that they want to <laughs> release if they are to enter into the new paradigm. And the new paradigm is called operational excellence. There is no operational excellence without making this shift into participation and then into empowerment. There can be no better moment than this to exercise the artistry of change. This is the moment when the company knows the least about what to do or how to do it. And yes, colossal mistakes can be made and they're often made. But nevertheless, you begin the transformation and you learn. And you begin, of course, but you must designate an implementation team to oversee the change. A group of skilled, experienced, emotionally sturdy individuals who will remain alert to predictable pitfalls. There are many methods for successfully converting the work culture, but as I told you before, I have seen no single more powerful method than the technologies of the visual workplace and that is because if you've listened to any of my shows visuality is language and language connects visuality is fundamental fundamentally about sharing information and therefore sharing meaning and meaning is what connects us creating a workforce of visual thinkers in my view is a world-class competency that is capable of shifting the organization into balance and unity and catapulting it into very, very impressive, even outrageous profit mar- margins. It is the most effective way that I've found. Employee involvement doesn't surface naturally or easily on its own. So, we have to take a step. And we have to just grit our teeth and say, I am not losing control. I am sharing control. I am not losing power. I am sharing power. That's what's making me feel uncomfortable. Sharing. I used to think I needed to have all the answers to everything. And now I'm saying someone else may have the answer or may have a better answer. And I'm willing to share control, to share my power in order to discover that because I really want that to happen. So that is a psychological barrier that managers simply have to get over. Myths number two, one and two, it's about losing control and the second myth is about going into anarchy. Nope, bite the bullet. 
This is like getting married and being afraid of commitment. Marriage and commitment are one of the same thing. You go into empowerment, you're going to be sharing power. The center of the word empowerment is power. And we begin the power sharing when we say we will have a participative model. What other people think matters and I'm going to listen. Let's go to myth three. People won't rise to the occasion. They don't want empowerment. They just want to do their job. They're not going to take the opportunity when we give it to them anyway. What are we worried about? And managers, you will find, often complain that the workforce doesn't want empowerment. Remembering the many times they had offered hourly employees opportunities to participate and were refused. When the time came, Line employees either said nothing or they sneered or they simply sat there, even when, as managers will protest, a great deal of what was meaningful to them was at stake. They don't care. And in the face of this, which to some managers looks like indifference and to other managers looks like belligerence, resistance, Manager, you will mistakenly, mistakenly conclude that the workforce doesn't want participation or doesn't appreciate it, doesn't want to be bothered. I mean, I've heard, perhaps you have too, managers actually say, these people, shame on them for that part of it, these people don't care. They're just plain lazy. What a conclusion. This is more about the managers than it does about the people, of course. Because the fact of the matter is... The workforce does not know how to participate. We're going to say more about that in a moment. They don't know how to participate. It's a mystery. They don't know what this new kind of employee involvement means. Many of them have never even heard their voice in a group before. I know that's not true for your organization, but in the companies that I go to, some of them are on the ancient end of the continuum. They haven't even heard their voice out loud before because they've never said anything. They're not used to the group setting or meetings or speaking their mind. They first have to find their mind. They haven't even been asked to bring their mind to work for the last 15 years. They leave it in the car with the window cracked so that it's there waiting when they leave work. All of a sudden, you want my mind? Just a moment. Let me go get it. Hmm? And we damn employees for not, we say they don't know, they don't want to participate. They don't know how. We'll talk about a little bit more about that in a moment. Let's move on to myth four. We can make improvement happen as part of the workday. Special time is not needed. This is a big drop in management consciousness where we try to make two things happen in the same time period, production Production and improvement. And I will tell you, in the face of the usual no extra time provided for improvement, associates will wisely write off employee involvement as just another empty promise. If you can't make time for this, how can I, says the employee. Hmm? How can I find time when you can't and you're in control of time? Wise is the company that says we will bite the bullet. And you do it experimentally at first. You don't do it for the whole plant. You do it with one area with a supportive supervisor that maybe has a less linked uh, 
process. I've spent a number of shows on improvement time and I can do another one soon. Improvement time is an indispensable component of your change strategy. You must identify time for improvement and it must be separate from production time. Otherwise, improvement is happening on the backs of people's family lives or on their health or just the people who have extra time can get involved. It is a self-selecting and damaging policy of no policy, this idea of improvement time. So that's another, that's myth four. You got to crack that myth and say, by gum, we're going to learn how to separate production from improvement time. This is a serious, serious commitment. So we're going into, into our third and last break, and I will complete very quickly with a scan of the other myths. I just want you to get a, a sense of what these myths look like, how they behave, and we'll go into greater depth at another show. I'll be back in a moment. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. Hi, this is Gwendolyn. And we are in the last segment of our show today on participation myths. I'm scanning these. I hope you see them as a group. And I hope you see how they come from the same paradigm of fear as we make the transition from a demand and control 
to a more balanced workplace and workforce. The workforce includes the very managers who, in char- who are in charge of policy. So let's not separate them out. So as I was saying before the last break, that in the face of not really believing, number one, that hourly employees, value-add associates want to participate, want to be empowered, and in the face of, not, of, of their not knowing how to participate or what empowerment means, and then faced also with there not being separated time from production for improvement, managers tend to turn to the next three myths. Here are the, here are the first two. They say, you know what? We got a solution here to all of this struggle. Why don't we just say it out loud? Only some people are interested. Only some people are qualified. Let's focus on them. Big mistake. Hand in hand with that comes, hey, you know what? We can make enough. This is myth number six. We can, that was myth number five. People aren't interested. They're not qualified. So let's just handpick some. Not everyone wants to do this or can do it. Number six, myth six, we can make enough improvement happen through our blitzes or our rapid improvement events, through event-based change. We don't need to do it every day. So let's take the first. We'll kind of blend the two. Handpicking the best of the lot from the ranks and assigning these high achievers the role, for example, in an event-based improvement activity such as a Kaizen Blitz or rapid improvement event is a way to, in a way, arrest the process and dilute your commitment to change. I mean to say quite clearly that handpicking members of your improvement teams is not useful. Even for event-based improvement, it is exactly counter to your purposes. If we are attempting to align and unify the enterprise, then we must include everyone. We must include those folks who are high achievers and who have demonstrated their capability and those people who don't give a rat's behind. We must include them. Otherwise, we're writing them off. The scenario of handpicking, developing an elite is the reverse of blending the two pyramids, the reverse of deploying a new vision, the reverse of the outcome. I am not saying you do it intentionally, and I'm not saying you lack the courage to do it differently, but you may not realize what you give up when you handpick any group. And especially if you think because people are lazy anyway, they don't care anyway. The fact is, in companies making this transition, the fact is that people, managers don't know how to create a true participative organization and employees don't know how to do it either. But I want to, I want to hit this point also about REIs, RIEs, and blitzes. It is dangerous to confine your improvement activity. And I was in a plant just a month ago that prided itself on having one blitz every quarter as their improvement effort. 
And I just cringed and didn't know exactly how to approach it because it was so far away from that which is functional and progressive. That It's sort of like we're going to take you to the big city once a year and you're going to be grateful. And we're not expecting such a big change. So we're going to give you an opportunity to participate and then our duty is done. It has that kind of flavor to it, even if it's not expressed. The commitment is saying continuous improvement means it happens every day. And this is for your 5S as well. All of these myths apply to 5S. Most powerfully, the last one, which I definitely want to get to. So I'm kind of going to kind of move along. Companies don't know how to create a true participative organization. They don't know how to structure. I'm talking about companies who are new to this, not you. To structure the opportunity for people to regularly and reliably contribute their ideas to the local landscape of work on behalf of the greater corporate intent. Because the company hasn't learned to do this, they don't know how to teach their employees to do it either. Thinking is not the problem. What we need to do is structure the thinking so that it has a focus. And this brings us to the one piece that is not the myth. If we want people to get on board with improvement, I'm sorry, I beg your pardon, I skipped one. I forgot to talk to about if we want the seventh myth, I beg your pardon, I just messed up. Let me move to myth number seven. If we want people to get on board with improvement, why don't we save them for the more interesting work and do the easy stuff ourselves? This is the mistake that sounds like, what's hard about labels and lines? We're engineers. We're technical staff. We're managers. Let's put them in place ourselves. And this brings us right to the transition of people don't know how to participate, therefore they don't. I want to tie the two together here. It's a big mistake to take over this work as managers because when we do, we deprive the organization, hourly employees, of the opportunity to learn, to learn how to participate beginning with the lowest hanging fruit, to learn participation by doing, by doing the easy stuff. Managers mean no harm when they take over these tasks. They reason because the task is so simple and obvious they should do it themselves. But that is the very reason, the very simplicity of the task is one of the main reasons why we ask employees to do it. Because that gives employees an opportunity to learn in a low-risk environment 5S is an opportunity to learn how to participate. It's a very, very important step to learn how to participate and get used to the idea of contributing. Get used to the idea of being seen. Get used to the idea of being praised for work that is not exactly product work. People don't know how to participate because they've never had a chance to try it on. And so we give them the simple task of 5S as the beginning of their participation, as the beginning of the experience of their own power, and then we go further. 
every myth until we get to this one, number eight, people don't participate because they don't know how, are myths of thinking, are myths of, if you will, a kind of prejudice, a kind of lack of knowledge, if you will, ignorance. But the fact that you are going to use your 5S to enable people to feel their power and to make their contribution is the way to make the other seven, the real myths, disappear. You begin with 5S, but here's the thing. You don't stop there. You must go further. Because 5S is a compliance mechanism, it is a good training ground. But once you train people to, f- to implement 5S and to follow a simple protocol, they are ready for greater challenges. And it is your responsibility to do that. So I'm running over a bit. I'm going to say, <laughs> this is Gwendolyn Galsworth. I'm signing off. I hope this was helpful to you. Let the workplace speak. appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america business channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericabusiness.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network it's staff and management.